Now, it is an honor, it really is, uh, to preach this sermon for Preston's ordination. Uh, if you don't know Preston and Deanna, uh, they joined St. Peter's on our second Sunday ever. Uh, and so that was Sunday, November 10th, 2013. Uh, and he looked like one of these photos. I can't remember which one he looked like when he joined, so I just went with all of them. But I've had the privilege of getting to know both of them over the past four years and to walk alongside them as they found their place in Vancouver, as they found their place in this church. Uh, if you don't know, they moved to Vancouver uh, to go to Regent, and, and it's been very good. And together, they've grown as leaders, as individuals, as a family. Family. And now they're taking this step. And it's a particularly beautiful thing for me as a pastor because in planting this church uh, four and a half years later to have a homegrown pastor who's stepping into the role of associate pastor, it's a beautiful thing. It's an honorable thing. And, and I, I thank God. I, I see God moving in this community. And I think Preston is part of the fruit of that. And, and the only person who could get the credit is, is God. Now, as you all know, Preston's very dapper. Uh, I once told him that he looked like a modern Wisconsin man, and he very much appreciated this compliment, uh, but I just thought he was from Wisconsin. It turns out he's from somewhere else in the United States, uh, but I continue to compliment him. I do think he's a modern Wisconsin man, and I asked him, what would you like me to preach for your ordination, Preston? And he said, Abraham. Now, I had limited his selection to Abraham or Moses, but he chose Abraham. <laughs> and we've been in the book of Hebrews as a church, so this was very convenient for me. Uh, Abraham is listed in the cloud of witnesses, and so we get to continue in our Hebrews series. Uh, and the cloud of witnesses, if you're not familiar, is Hebrews chapter 11. And it's a tour of the people of old, the people of faith, who've walked by faith, who've lived by faith, who set an example of faith for us to emulate today. And so... If we look to Abraham, we can learn a few key things about calling for Preston. And I'll draw your attention just to three principles throughout uh, the sermon. But if you have a Bible, I invite you to open it up now to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, if you're just visiting and you're figuring this out, uh, grab one of the great church Bibles and take it home with you. It's our gift to you. Uh, and everything will also be on the screen. Hebrews chapter 8, I'm going to begin in verse 8, or chapter 11, beginning in verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he's looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. When I was uh, younger and had less responsibility, i.e. no children, uh, I loved just getting into my car and driving aimlessly, just seeing where I would end up. And I'd have loud music, preferably deftones, and a passenger seat full of junk food, uh, and the open road. Now, I lived on Vancouver Island, so the unknown was quite limited by the ocean. <laughs> but I would loved losing myself in the unknown, going out into an exploration and, and seeing where my journeys might take me. Abraham is called by God into the unknown. Do you see that here? But it's not the same as going for a drive into the unknown where you know you can always come back home. Abraham must go and live and remain in the unknown. God calls him and he simply says, go. And accepting this invitation, accepting this call, Abraham has to surrender the future that he thought he was going to have. He has to surrender his comfort, his, his hopes, his dreams entirely to this calling of God. He went out, the scriptures tell us, not 
knowing where he was going. He left the comfort of home. He left his tribe. He left his previous accomplishments. In the ancient world, he left everything that would have defined his identity. You see, when we're called, we don't get to call the shots anymore or set the destination. When we accept the calling to follow God, there's always a large degree of unknown, no matter who you are. You have to leave the life you once knew and find yourself in God. Now, for some, God calls and he says, go. But for others, God calls and he says, stay put. We do not know where the Lord's going to lead tomorrow. We're simply called to be present to the God who is with us today. And the calling to follow God is precisely that, following God, not leading God, not making demands of God, but following where he will lead. And God called Preston and Deanna years ago, and he said, go. Go from Wisconsin to Vancouver, <laughs> wherever it is he's from, and go. And they had to leave behind family. They had to leave behind comfort. They had to leave behind uh, barbecue food. I mean, they had to leave behind the heavenly gifts of America, barbecue food people, and move to Vancouver, the land of sushi. But many of you don't know this. Uh, after graduating regent, Preston had multiple job opportunities, which was very unusual for a fresh graduate out of seminary. And I hope you don't mind me telling this, Preston. I'm going to anyways. But he, he, he could have moved home, or at least closer to home. They could have moved back with their, their young son, Elliot, closer to family, which as a, a parent of young kids, being closer to family would be really helpful. He, he had job offers that paid better than this job. And yet Preston, I got to walk alongside him. He was not concerned about how much he could make, although he was concerned about providing for his family. He was not concerned about how close he could get to home, although he would have liked to get closer to home. He wanted to know what the Lord had for him. And this time around, the Lord didn't say go. He said, stay put. Stay put. Don't pack up your bags and go. Stay put. And that is a tough calling sometimes. See, staying can be just as costly as going. Many of you here in this room, you're likely called to stay in this place. And for many of you who are young and starting out your careers, and if God says, stay in Vancouver, that likely means for you that you'll never own a home. There's a cost to that. One person found that funny. The rest of us are depressed. <laughs> but if you stay put, if you know God's saying to me, stay in Vancouver, love this city in whatever your vocation may be, that might mean you say no to job opportunities that come up down the road. You see, often the challenge of following God isn't just saying no to the bad stuff, as challenging as that can be. It's actually saying no to the good stuff because we know what we've said yes to. Some of you are going to be called to stay in this city, and it's going to be, mean saying no to things that might advance your life or make your life look more like what you would want, but you have to say no because you know what you're saying yes to. You're saying yes to the Lord who has said, stay put, and you'll stay there until he says go. So no matter how God calls you, there's always an element of cost, and we have to lay down our own wants, our own wishes, our own desires, how we thought life should be, or as Jesus himself puts it, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. 
Why would anyone accept such a costly call? Have you ever stopped to think about it? Because many people in the scriptures, they don't. They say, that's, that's good. You go on your way, Jesus. Why does anyone accept this costly call? If you look at Abraham's calling in Genesis 12, which was our first reading, it's all in the first sentence. Now the Lord said to Abram, which was Abraham's name before he was renamed. Now the Lord said to Abraham, God called Abraham by name. The God of the universe knows Abraham by name. And he calls in each and every single person by name. God said Preston. God said Alistair. God said Deanna. God said Julia. God said Bob. God said Shannon. God said Michelle. God said your name. And no matter what your work is, anyone who follows Jesus has responded in some sense because they've heard the God of the universe say, come and follow me, and then it's followed by your name. Somehow you know that this calling is not abstract, but deeply personal. It is a calling by the God of the universe who knows you by the, your name and desires to be with you. But Preston, you have to take every care to tend to this part of your calling. You model for us what it means to stay rooted in this fundamental calling that we all share. That the God of the universe has called us by name to follow him. And so you have to take every care and precaution to remain in a deep and abiding personal walk with Jesus. And as you know, there's going to be seasons where that comes more naturally and there's going to be seasons where it's difficult because Elliot just takes your Bible and runs away with it. <laughs> but we must not let anything, and this is for you too, you must not let anything ever take priority over that fundamental task, tending to that calling of God upon your life. It is the most important work that you'll ever have as a minister. It is the most important work you'll ever have as a human being. And so the first principle I see in Abraham's life is you're called to follow God and you're called to tend to that calling, always. But you'll notice the author of Hebrews stresses, Abraham, he didn't know where he was going. He was called into the unknown, but he also went as one looking forward to the city of God. I love that. And this brings us a bit closer to the work of a deacon. We don't always know where the Lord will lead, nor will Preston. But as a deacon, Preston, you're to model this posture of Abraham for us. The posture of looking forward to the city of God, trying to see the signs of life in the here and now that point us towards the city that is to come. That's one of the challenges of being in ministry is to say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Or as St. Paul says multiple times in his letter, imitate me. Preston, are you ready to say, imitate me? Are you ready to demonstrate the character of Christ in such a way that you could say with integrity, follow me as I follow Jesus. Let's follow him together. I might only be a half a step ahead, but follow me. And again, I ask, who would accept such a calling? How can any ordinary person do this? They can't. And they can. They can't and they can. 
Let's start with they can't. If you look at Abraham's life in scripture, it's, it's rather uh, relieving to see. He was a far way away from perfection. He was often fearful, sometimes doubting, uh, several times deceitful, not always trusting God, but trying his best to walk in faith. But nevertheless, God called him, of all people, an ordinary person. Abraham could never fulfill the calling God had on his life. His wife was barren. He couldn't will it, let alone to have descendants as numerous as the stars. Abraham could never fulfill that by his own strength. Only God is capable of fulfilling the calling he placed upon his life. So Preston, only God is capable of fulfilling the calling placed upon your life. The moment you try to do it from your own strength, the mentor of mine in seminary used to say, I'll give ministers two years, three years tops, and they'll burn out. You must always depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill the calling he's placed on your life. And if you do, you don't have to worry. You might wonder how it's going to work out, which I do every other day. But he does it. On the day of my ordination, I was reminded that uh, the call does not suddenly change you. Uh, I woke up with excitement. You know, years of following a foggy inclination had arrived to this moment, and I had this sunrise, pristine clarity when I woke up, like, I'm meant for this. Next to my wedding day, and I know it sounds weird, like I was as excited for my ordination. And the anticipation grew as evening drew near, and, and I know it's a little strange. Uh, maybe some of you have this desire. I maybe Preston, you experienced this, but I couldn't wait to put on the clerical collar. I was just so stoked to wear a clerical collar for the first time. And when I put on that glorious little plastic square snug against my neck, you know, it felt good. At least it was good until I got to the elevator. Uh, you should never underestimate how much tension can be built between a husband and a wife and their door and the elevator door. And I can't remember what we were fighting about, but we were fighting and it was not pretty. And, and, and by the time the elevator arrived, the doors opened, we got in, and it was just silent, just the whole elevator ride. And people got on, they could tell like something's not right between this priest and this woman. And <laughs> a long 24 floor elevator ride later, we're walking down Davy Street of all streets and I'm in my you know, caller and Julia's walking beside me, teary-eyed, and we're not talking to each other. And I was just like, this is a terrible start. And so finally, you know, as my temper cooled down, I said to her on the slightly dramatic side, I don't want to be ordained now. My big day's ruined. <laughs> and then with less drama and more conviction, I said, God needs better than this. God needs better than this. I'm not worthy. And Julia, with her big blue watery eyes, paused and with surgical precision looked into my soul and said to me, since when has this ever been about you being worthy? How quickly I'm prone to forget that simple truth. I have never been worthy of the gospel and I'm yet to meet someone who is worthy of the gospel. No person has ever been worthy of the gospel. And yet, we're habitually inclined to trust ourselves, Preston. This is the problem, isn't it? At least I am. There's times I look at my ability, my glistening character at the high peaks, and I think, God picked a good one. Good choice, God. You're welcome, St. Peter's. <laughs> and frankly, when you read the ordination liturgy or you read the description of a deacon, 
It makes them sound pretty fantastic too. But there is not a minister on the planet who's ever been worthy of serving the gospel. And there's no person who's ever been worthy of the gospel. None of us deserve the radical welcome that Jesus has offered us in showing us grace. You see, we're always sinners in the hands of grace. And this never changes. St. Paul said, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. So if you want the baseline, here it is. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm the worst. God does not call pristine people into ministry. He calls sinners gripped by grace. So Preston, I hate to tell you, being a deacon or even a priest isn't the mark of a rival. God's not finished with you yet. There's still more good work to be done in your heart, mind, and soul, to which Deanna responds, Amen. <laughs> On the day of my ordination, I had the gift of becoming utterly aware of my own unworthiness and sinfulness. But it also convinced me of how much more I need to depend on grace. As the ordination liturgy says, we have a good hope that you have well weighed and pondered these things with yourself long before this time. And just in case you're wondering, Preston's not winging it. You know, he, he's really thought this through. And that you have clearly determined, here it is, by God's grace, to give yourselves wholly to this office. So through ordination, God teaches his ministers an important lesson. What's more exciting than getting ordained? Grace. Grace is the most exciting thing on this planet. And so Preston, you don't stand a chance of fulfilling your calling without grace, but the God of grace has called you and he'll be with you and he'll show you the grace that you need because as St. John said, when Jesus appeared in the world to save sinners, what did he do? He came to show grace upon grace. So Preston, take every effort to tend to your calling, but to stay enamored with grace. So today, as a church, we recognize this. You are called to follow God and to tend to his call always. And you're called to say to us, follow me as I follow Jesus. But you're only ever called to do this as a sinner in the hands of grace.